0: You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru.
1: Hello, Michael. Andre! That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> That's all I got. Um, we're not six feet apart. That's nice.
0: No, I know. It's, it's sort of nice. Like we're in the, the dog days of summer. Um, it's been really
1: fascinating to see how harvest has been going this year. Uh, it's been going pretty fast, uh, the way I've been noticing it. Anyway, you know I do wine tours, so yeah, I sure. see I see a lot of of what's being harvested out there. Uh, I know that that uh, Ontario we're way down. We are way down. Like, oh, it's
0: insane. There's there are so many Chardonnay vineyards um, on the bench that have no fruit. Um, I visited Vittorio of On Seven's vineyards. He has no Chardonnay, no Pinot. Uh, I walked through the Pinot Vineyard and it was kind of funny. We found like two clusters of like four berries and eight berries. And like that was, that was it. But the, um, the upside like to those, I mean, I don't want everyone to be all completely uh, devastated, by this. it's devastating. It's financially devastating for the wine growers, but the vineyards actually look fairly healthy. So assuming we don't get a crappy winter, they should bounce back next year.
1: Yeah. And and I've been told uh, over and over again that quality is good. Quality is good. Oh, quality
0: there. is insane, man. Um, so I guess, I guess a quick update on the ADX wine company's harvest. We harvested our Pinot Noir and rain was a factor again this year. Thankfully, knock on wood, not as bad as last year so far. But what happened was on like a Wednesday night, we um, we're purchasing our fruit from Vianney this year. We've made when pigs fly with the Vianney Pinot Noir in the past. We get an email at 10.30 p.m. just being like, hey, guys, your uh, your grapes are being harvested tomorrow. And it's just like, it's 10.30 at night. We have to coordinate with Rockway. We have to coordinate with Adam, who's our 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 winemaker. We don't own any of our own equipment or trucks, so we have to coordinate with other people in Niagara. So it's just like, by 6 a.m. the next morning, it's just like, this is the, this is the thing where, where I love the nature of this business. I love talking to people who do this for a living, the people who are on the crush pad like this is just like a little taste of just how insane being in this business is. Yeah,
1: everything seems to be very quick this year. I know, but as I said, uh I have been to between the lines a few times right on. I know that they have they have been they're down like I think last year they said they got 18 of those totes full of Pinot Noir grapes and yeah. this year they got 4. Yeah. Like it's like it's insanely down 40 to 60% down from uh, but if quality is good yes. then we're going to end up with another like 2015 which is where you have low crop but uh, or short crop season but you end up with really good wine 15 was really good.
0: Well it's patience in the thick skin grapes. I mean we've had we have had a lot of rain over the past couple couple weeks. Um we still have our Chardonnay hanging. We're purchasing our Chardonnay from Palatine Hills this year. Yeah, Chardonnay
1: is still hanging.
0: It is, but we we pulled our chemistry like I, I think it's one of the things you and I talked about. Like, I think when you're new to the wine industry and you're new to the tourism, and you get and you're new to like falling in love with it, you hear this term bricks, and you get attracted to bricks. And all you you hear it's it's the trap that I think a lot of people in Ontario fall into is that high bricks good, high bricks good. It's just like no. For us, our our bricks are actually pretty okay for the Chardonnay. It's the total acid that we have where I think it's sitting at around nine point eight, or it was not at nine point eight last week before we recorded this, and it's just. That's just too much acid. We, we need the acid to drop a bit before we can do oh. anything with that. What are your bricks levels though? Just i uh, it's at about twenty-one. I mean, that's oh. still enough to make like a low alcohol, like twelve and a half percent Chardonnay. Yeah, you need a little bit more. But uh it's it's but I mean it's not so low. Like
1: And uh, where are these grapes located? Palatine you... Hills,
0: Niagara on the Lake. Like oh, wow. right so right, right be... off the lake. So I mean, this the I walked to the vineyard with my mother a couple of weeks ago and things looked pretty good still.
1: Yeah. You know, I was just at Palatine the other day as well. They had harvested some stuff. They had harvested their Riesling. And... Anyway,
0: so. Well, there we go. That's a mini update that's a mini, on, mini report from what uh, on what's see. happening and,
1: in, in Niagara. So now we're going to go away from Niagara. Yes. And I'd like to thank, I guess we should start by thanking Profile Wine Group for, uh, for sending me this. And uh, you were kind enough to uh, join me uh, while we uh, head out to Italy. We're going to go to Tuscany. I, l- I love this.
0: I really love this because I know I've said on the podcast many times that Italy is a weak point in my knowledge. And I've been really, really thrilled to kind of dive in bit by bit. Like I know, I know quite a bit about Franciacorda thanks to my visit there back in 2017. Uh, I went to Abruzzo this year where I learned a lot. Um, but when I'm not drinking Ontario or France, I am grabbing... Chianti Classico, and I know we've uh, had a chance to chat with you from Antiprima. We've talked to Michael Goodell at Antiprima as as well. Both of you together. Um, I just I, I
1: find Sangiovese fascinating. Well, this is this is some some interesting stuff that we've got here. Um, we've got an actual. It's like a, literally, it's like a mini flight. And I'm just going to take a quick look at the uh, the years to make sure. Uh, that's interesting. Wow, that's. That you know what this is all. This is a very interesting tasting, and, and and here's why, because we have a Rosso, which is just the 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 base model okay. of it all. Um, Does it have the black
0: rooster on the bottle?
1: This one won't because it's a Rosso. It's not a Chianti, so it is. Uh, it's 2016, which was a great vintage. Great vintage here. Great vintage over there. Um, we also have the regular everyday old Chianti Classico uh, at 2019, and then we have the Reserva as a 2018. They're all very interesting. So this is from, and I know I'm going to screw this up, it's Castello... Castelli. Castelli de Greve... What did you say? What? Okay. Greve So Pesa. this, Greve this Pesa. is
0: one where I don't know about pronouncing the L's or, or how that works because in French, it's a double L, right? So
1: you would say it in French, Castelli, Castelli del Greve Pesa. I'm going to go with that. Castelli del Greve Pesa. And it's the Clement... Um Clement 7 series. Uh now you've seen these before. They have new labels on them. Um it's got that uh, that little monk on it. And um so here we go. We're actually gonna taste them live uh to see what we think. Now somebody gave this one a ninety-one and a ninety, is that correct? Wine Advocate
0: gave it ninety one, James Suckling gave it ninety points. I mean, I do like it when you put the name of the critic on the stickers at least. Yeah. Um I mean, Wine Advocate, I think, is still credible or somewhat credible. I know you and I have ripped on James Suckling quite a bit. Like, for me, seeing a 90-point score from James Suckling tells me that he didn't enjoy the, the wine. That's
1: what I usually think of these days when somebody puts a 90 on. That's about the base model score that you can get from anybody.
0: Yeah, this is um, it's pretty bright and fruity. Mm-hmm. And it's just, for, for me, when I think of Sangiovese, I think of, of Tomato Gardens. Yep. Like, like tomato, fresh tomato leaf, hot day, like when you've just sort of crunched it or when you like just pick that fresh tomato off the vine, you get like that little like bright aroma where it's, it's pyrazine, but not underripe.
1: No, this has got some decent tannins to it.
0: Yes, oh, yeah. it's still quite tannic.
1: But on the other hand, if you think about it, this is already a six-year-old wine in theory because the rosos come out early, right? And um, so... How much I, I, does something like this cost? Well, so this is a package that I guess is coming out at. Uh, oh no, it's coming out um, late October uh, through Vintages, and all three bottles are going to be eighty-four bucks.
0: Eighty-four or eighty-five dollars. Eighty-five. dollars oh, that's 84, not bad. 95. That's not bad. So, like when I'm when I'm looking for uh, Chianti Classico, I'm happy to spend.
1: I'm happy to spend like twenty to twenty-five bucks. Like yeah. So I'm then not- you're getting the reserve. You're getting the Rosso as well. So you're looking. The average price of the bottle is under thirty dollars, um, you know. And this is these are some pretty pretty good wines here. So, but the well, six, I mean, one this, one pretty good one pretty good one. The,
0: like, can is, I buy this separate or does it need to be in the three pack? Again, I,
1: all I can see it is in the three pack. Check the LCBO's website under Clemente uh, V.I.I. So, but this is the trio release for October twenty second, and I have to I have to say it
0: comes in a nice box. Um, yeah,
1: it does I think I like the box too. It's well, that's the other thing too.
0: Um, when do you start Christmas shopping?
1: Oh, I don't start till December, right?
0: Okay, so I'm nearly finished. Oh. Uh, but but I know a lot of people like roll their eyes when I tell them that. Most of my family's in Saskatchewan. I have two young nephews. Oh, so you got to get them early. I, I also, I just like to shop when I have money in my pocket. So I spread it out throughout it. the year. Um, so I have a strategy, but I mean, the thing is, okay, so for my nephews, I buy them uh, French books. I buy them Tintin and Asterix. They're in French immersion. And I think part of my love of journalism comes from reading Tintin and just love of comic books comes from reading reading those. So the whole. I remember Tintin. Yeah. So I have a whole like spreadsheet where I know every book that I'm getting them until they turn 18. So I know that's a bit of a bit of a cop out. But I mean, we're at the point now where uncle needs to slip some money into the. Into the book. Into
1: the cover of the
0: book so that they're more interesting for the for the kids.
1: So I get a little tobacco out of this. I get in some decent tannins. I get your tomato leaf. Um, I'm getting some of that bright fruitiness, but again, it is six years old, and in, in my opinion, this is a wine that you're going to drink now. Uh, I don't think you're going to hang on to it anymore. It yeah, is, so this Rosso, Rosso, this
0: Rosso isn't even available on its own. So I mean, this is a this this would make for a hell of a dinner party. Do like a full Italian spread. Like I this don't is know. this
1: is your this is your 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 wine for the appetizer.
0: Oh, I don't even know if this would necessarily be appetizer. Like, I would slam this with some rustic pasta, like a ragu or something. That works too. Like, just having that, that tannin and that tomato note. I think that would just play, like, really nicely with that. Some
1: cheese and charcuterie would be a nice, uh, a oh, nice yeah, that'd be a good thing. one too. So,
0: that's. Especially given, like, the, you know, the harder Italian cheeses, like, uh, Parmesan, Parmesan? or yeah. Pecorino. Um, well, what else would that be good with?
1: Like, I just, I like that when the
0: cheese has a bit of a. Give to it a bit of a crunch.
1: So now this we're gonna get into the to the nineteen vintage. So we're three years away, which you see, when I when I was looking at the uh, the years on these things, I was surprised to see the Rosso. Yeah, well, so it's a Rosso like something they couldn't sell, or is it something they were holding back? See, that's what I'm that's what I was I didn't want to say it right okay, out it's, front it's, there. It's, <laughs> it's
0: the other thing I do like about about Italy and with Tuscany in particular, the IGT wines, like it doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing and i actually you're starting to see a bit of that happening in france too if you go to some of the bottle shops like there's a few producers in beaujolais that aren't quite beaujolais or aren't quite following the rules and it's just like you know the bottle shop purveyor will let you know okay it's it's beaujolais but it's it's not beaujolais
1: so it's what's got what pinot noir in it or
0: no i think it's just like either like crop yields or like on the wrong side of the road something like that um i think a lot of that goes i think i think that brings back like discussions we could have about the VQA, but we don't want to litigate that today.
1: No, that's not today's litigation. Today is all about uh, about some Chianti and some uh, Sangiovese. So here we are. So this is
0: just the regular classico. So this, this is, is just not reserva. Chianti
1: classico with the R- uh, refresh with the Russo. me on my
0: rules. Refresh me on the rules for that.
1: So you've got to have uh, you got to get uh, Sangiovese eighty percent, and then um, uh, you can have twenty percent of the rest of the whatever you choose from their list of grapes.
0: And it's got to be indigenous, right? Like you can't have... Oh, well, you can do some cabs. You can, you can do Cab and Merlot yeah, in, yeah, in can, County Glasgow? Yeah.
1: Who does that? Oh, all kinds of people do it. Oh, everybody's doing it. Everybody likes Merlot and Cabernet. Although there is a trend to move back towards the indigenous grape varieties.
0: I, th- I think that's happening everywhere. And it's, it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I, and I'm liking that. I'm liking some of the, the indigenous stuff. Uh, such as last night I had a bottle of um, uh, Cezanese, and Cezanese. Uh, yes, was nice I saw that. To, you guys were talking about we're, it together. It uh, was nice enough to uh, reach out and say, what the hell is that? And I actually had a few people reach out and go, I've never had a bottle of Cezanese. What is it? And it is a, a native grape variety out of the Lazio, which is where Rome is. And uh, the interesting part about that grape is it was it's basically a grape that was dying off. Uh, an indigenous grape variety. And, uh, and I don't have her name at the tip of my tongue, and nor should I, but uh, it was a porn star who actually wanted to make wine. She had an Italian origin, so she went back to her homeland, back to Lazio, where she was from, and she decided that she wanted to make wine, and, and she tried uh, uh, some, some juice from uh, Cesanese, and uh, she was so enthralled with it that she made her wine from it, and basically uh, she helped resurrect uh, the wine. Um, how do you spell Cesanese? Uh S-E uh S-A-N-E-S-E. Cezanese. And it really is a fun little wine to, to drink and a, and a fun little wine to say. Um and you've got her name, don't you? So her porn name was Savannah
0: Samson. That's right. Uh Natalie Oliveros. Yeah. Uh let's see here. And this is Food Republic, an interview from twenty twelve. Um from porn star to Italian wine maven, mm-hmm. uh, you may know her from such award-winning adult films as The Masseuse with Jenna Jameson, The New Devil in Miss Jones, and Debbie Does Dallas, again.
1: <laughs> we don't get to talk porn enough on this podcast, obviously. I think
0: that's a first. So, Anyway. Uh, this, so- is, this is more refined than the, Ros- the Rosso. It's got some depth. It's got the tomato leaf, but it's also got like hints of like there's a mint garden planted next to tomatoes.
1: Mm-hmm. Very obviously, much so. Obviously, at two thousand nine, so it's fresh, lots of red fruit. Twenty nineteen. Sorry, what did I say? 09. Oh nine. Oh, senior's moment. Even even fresher, um, fresh, red fruit. Um, again, the the tannins aren't off the chart here. Like there's nothing that really to me.
0: The cherry is juicy. Frankly, this is just as tannic as the last one, but the difference is the the texture of the tannins. The Rosso has these long. Chunky tannins. This is a lot of tannin. They're attacking my back palate, but they're short. They're, also, they're, they're not like filling
1: right to my cheek. I also find this a lot. Obviously, it should be. Um, it's a lot fresher. Yes. It's a lot juicier. Yes. It's a lot more playful. 100%. Uh, this is this is really, really a nice bottle of, uh, of wine. I can see why whoever it was gave it a 92. See, Somebody's still is, stuck on giving it a 92. I 90. think
0: this is a better match for the charcuterie than the last one. It's just like I think the beefier tannin works better with that fatty texture that you get from you know a really great pasta sauce or great cheese or like a, a Napoli style pizza or a Roman style pizza for that matter, where this, I think would form better harmony with your hard cheeses, form better harmony with your with your prosciutto, with your with your uh, you know your fatty salami. I, I, I think this is I think this is the main course, man. Or sorry, this is the uh, the appetizer. The no, other one's the main course.
1: There's a nice uh, there's a nice spice cherry. So still, I'm 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 thumbs up again. We haven't we haven't even given our little uh, our little report on on that. I and I still really miss that thumbs up thumbs down we do. So you know, on the podcast, I think instead of using stars from now on, maybe we should go with the thumbs up. Thumbs Both of down. these are thumbs up for me so far. Uh, absolutely for me as well. Uh, very happy so far. And and you know, again, eighty five dollars. Now, profile did not pay us to uh to to do this. Uh, I just want to state. That I'm lucky moment.
0: enough to taste this. Profile didn't send me anything. So, I just, but um, they were. <laughs> Although they were we nice are we are working with Profile on an interview for later this
1: month, mm-hmm. which I'm excited um, about
0: with a oh. for Abruzzo,
1: Venelossi uh, or something like that. Yes. So that should be exciting. So finally, we've got. Uh, oh, somebody's given this a 93. Actually, wow.
0: Okay. Well, we can we can read the stickers here. So the Classico James Suckling gave a 92, and the Spectator gave 90. Interestingly, they have the Wine Advocate and the Wine Spectator, um, but I mean, whatever. The scores sell the wine. Um, now this... this is, I think this might be the first time I've actually agreed with uh, with James Suckling, which is weird because that's still a relatively low score from him. I know we're going to be doing thumbs up, thumbs down, but I think 92, maybe 91 would be
1: fair for this maybe we're, we're still like if i'm doing giving stars it's in the four point it's in the four star range yeah so it's an it's an easy four star so now this was given 93 by uh by mr suckling uh so this is the one he liked Ooh, having the a bad day most again. Of, uh, of all three this is the 2018 reserva what's the rules for reserva again so the reserva is a little longer in barrel uh, I'd have to look them up. They're not at the tip of my tongue at the moment. No, oh, we
0: can ballpark it. Like, it's, it's over a year. It's over about a year. Because yes. like, the, I think, I the think, Grand Reserva is, I think, 36 oh, three, months. Oh, 36 months. Yeah. So
1: this one is... Uh, I think this might be 18. I think it's a little longer than that. It could be two years. No, well, 18, yeah, two years. Could be two years. It is. This is a little warmer on the nose. So, right. yes, it's interesting to note, again, a different vintage, 2018. Uh, the I know the Rosso was 14%. They're all fourteen uh, percent. They're all fourteen percent. So there we have it. And then
0: so so it's almost maybe the the, the aromas from the tannic qualities of the wines. Sorry, if the sounds sounds stupid because I guess I don't know. Can you smell tannin? You know what? I and mean, you can smell savory elements in in wines, but
1: I've always said you can sometimes smell tannin. You can sometimes smell acidity.
0: Oh, you can definitely smell acidity.
1: Um. And you can there's there's other things that that don't seem it seems that it's something only a tongue can can grab but there's sometimes you can you can smell certain things because you just kind of figure they're going to be there. Um, now the this nose is
0: more dried cherry. It's lost the tomato leaf. It's lost the mint. It's really more dried out fruit.
1: It is. It's a little drier. It's a little. I think this needs a little more time to uh, to open up because the cherry is still there. 18, obviously, another different vintage.
0: Okay, different vintage, but good or bad? So we, you said 16 was good. So 16 was, just, was great. You said 19 uh, was good I remember good
1: 17 too. Was, was difficult. Uh, 18, 19, you know, they're getting, getting warmer temperatures all the time. I don't think anybody's ever s- said to me in the last few years that something was really bad.
0: Well, I mean, the, so, the challenge with hot is maintaining your acid, right?
1: Correct, and I think these guys, these these wines have the acidity that yeah, they're they require. Great
0: balance. Um, this one, I, one's I more hate th- to say this, I think I think it's the the weakest of the three, just because it's I think lacking some of the depth of the the regular Chianti Classico. But I think this might come down to personal bias. The fact that when I'm drinking these wines, when I'm drinking Chianti Classico, I'm usually grabbing a non-reserva wine. I'm happy when the reserva. And Grand Reserva show up at my house because I find them fascinating, but like it's just something about I think when I open a Chianti Classico, I expect that tannin, and I know on cellar at the monthly Instagram thing I do, we did a Sangiovese from Arizona last year, and mm. I forgot that Sangiovese is not just for Chianti Classico; that they also use it for Barolo.
1: Nope. Brunello. Brunello. And Vino Nobile. There we go. Sorry for mixing those up. Piedmont is uh Nebbiolo. Fully,
0: fully um, admitted. Italy's a weak point in my knowledge, so I need to work on that. But remembering that it can make those wines, the Vandegaard, that are made to be in a cellar, right? And that was really what I got more from Arizona. Um I don't know. Do you think this the the reserva needs more time, like where that heat might cool down a bit on the nose, and other aromas will come out?
1: I would I would have to say that, uh, as you said, this I think is the weakest of the uh, of the of the wines, um, but
0: it's also still getting a, a thumbs up for me. Like if yeah, it showed up at I, my I, house, I wouldn't be disappointed. I,
1: I wouldn't give it a thumbs down, but I think all three of these wines are meant to drink now. I, yeah. I don't think that there's maybe you can decant the reserva um because I got a strong smoky tannin woodsy note from it and as much as there's a nice black cherry leather too hiding in the background uh yeah the leather is definitely there but I, like, I don't uh, think it comes I don't think I don't think that fruit comes back I don't think it comes I don't think it rises to the level of that uh it's like that woodiness leather fine like, corinthian
0: yeah like new car leather i think that's a good description like new car smell leather
1: so i but i don't i don't think that black cherry is is pungent enough to come back so okay. uh and and to rise above that woodsy, yeah but is it going go, leathery
0: is it gonna go the other way where it might shift more into balance where maybe some of those leather woodsy notes would become more nuanced and the dried fruit might move a little bit more to the front as the vibrancy starts to fall off
1: that's the beauty of wine, my friend. You never know. And and, and when we do that, you know, I, I've always said, uh, when people ask me, they say, how do you know? And I said, basically, it's, it's, it's an educated, educated guest. guess. Educated we have, we have taken We have tasted a lot of wine, and we just kind of educate our guests as to do we think it's going to uh, age well or not. I'm going to say no. I'm good uh, with that. I, actually,
0: the, the cool thing about this box is I know you and I have kind of Thrown out some specific or I wouldn't say specific enough food pairings that if you wanted to do like an Italian dinner in like, hell yeah. Open this box up, do pasta, do pizza. Like don't get do- a little
1: sabuco going.
0: Oh man. Osubu- oh, that actually might be the right Preparing for this um, this reserva, but yep. do you want to do? I guess that's how you do it in Italy, right? You yep. do the, the charcutes and the cheese at the beginning yep. with the uh, the, the pasta is the next course. The you pasta. also got to,
1: see the, the funniest story I can tell you is the first time I ever went to Italy, um, which was in, in, in Piedmont, and I remember we went to this 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 lunch, and they said it's going to be a light lunch. That's what they said to us. So yeah, antipasti, you know. So what ends up coming out is creamy and is, so it comes secondo. out with the charcuterie plate. So I had a little bit of cheese, I had a little bit of meat, and then the little salad came out, and so I had a little bit of the salad, and then the pasta came out. Now to me, that's lunch.
0: That's the main. Core. I mean, that's how we eat pasta in North America, Correct. right? So- like you, 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 you. You go out to wherever and that's your main course. And,
1: and there was a pasta that, you know, they, they, they really gave it a presentation. They talked about how many eggs goes per pound of flour and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, the, 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 they had so many eggs that the pasta was yellow. The tomato sauce was red, turned everything orange. I swear to God, Andre, I thought when it came out that they had brought us craft dinner. It was orange. And I was like, this is delicious. And the ragu and everything. So I had three bowls of that. Oh, Michael. And then it's, I told you first time in Italy, and then out comes the meats and the beef and the chicken, and I'm like, "Where the hell did this come from? What yeah. happened to light lunch?" You know, yeah. so um, I missed out on all of that because i had I had eaten so much of the pasta. So okay, so we're talking about a, th- a
0: three course meal, but we're talking like if you're gonna get this box, it's a Saturday night or Sunday night dinner yeah. with some friends. Um, so we're going with the the classico. With the the premi, with the antipasti, that's what you're
1: suggesting, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to. You. I would have gone with maybe with the rosso as well, but then the rosso has a little more oomph to it.
0: I think the rosso with the pasta with the tannin, but if we're doing like the full Italian meal where we're gonna do like an osso bucco for the the main course, or we're doing or a, short, a short or a meal, porchetta, or some or porchetta or something, something yeah, that maybe
1: that reserva comes right in.
0: I think the reserva holds up to that, which means that you need the rosso to go up to the pasta, but maybe not a ragu on it, because then you're getting just meat and meat, which is just a little too heavy. So maybe like a pomodoro or an arrabbiata, like some pretty simple, uh, more more straightforward, like the pasta and tomato.
1: It's always nice when your when your food mind starts to work, Andre. I can almost see it. Uh, <laughs> I can see the pulsating in your head going as it. Uh, Well, okay, Like a a baby in the womb kicking its way out. I I
0: need to know. I've I've sort of had a bit of a moment. um, A few years ago, I read Kitchen Confidential with Anthony Bourdain. uh, Or sorry, by Anthony Bourdain, the late Anthony Bourdain. Um, If you can get the annotated version, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but he does an annotated version that's really good, especially since you and I, like, we've addressed, like, the the Me Too moment in the Ontario wine industry, Norman Hardy and all that stuff. Um, But the fascinating thing is about, like, Anthony Bourdain was a bit of a dirtbag earlier on his career but admitted it and then became an advocate for change which is which is fascinating in the annotated version he makes notes where he talks about all the moments in the book where he's just like yeah I was full of shit when I wrote this I was full of crap when I wrote that anyways the the point I'm talking about Bourdain's book is he talks about his like come to Jesus moment with Italian cuisine Um, and I think for me the journey has been very much the same way I've fallen in love with French cuisine which is often a lot of ornate techniques a lot of obscure ingredients and it's still relatively like simple cuisine it's just not easy to do and also not terribly accessible in North America with what we do and I'd always written off Italian cuisine as like how many different incarnations of tomato garlic and basil can you do where when I read Bourdain's book he talked about the quality of the ingredients yes it's what it's the, all about it's Italian cuisine is Mozart like M- Mozart didn't shine with with his Insane complexity in his music. It's just the right notes in the right place. Beautiful simplicity. Too many notes. <laughs> well, <I'll laughs> it's too funny. Um, but yeah, it's just I've really fallen in love with Italian cuisine, which is why the gears in my head are are turning. And it's just um, you know I fall in love with with simple things that I can throw together. Um, I canned a bushel of Roma to- of uh, Roma tomatoes because oh. I was able to get them at Fortinos for twenty one bucks. I love living in a city where. Uh, it's so Italian that the grocery store caters to that like wait, wait. old school Italianness. Well,
1: wait till January and you get the pork butt for 99 cents. Oh, a I've pound. already been
0: on that. Like you can buy a whole quarter pig at your grocery store and sausage casings and all the stuff you need to make I'll make you some breakfast sausages next because The last batch I made turned out really well. I know this is a way like off topic tangent, but I think let's just bring this back around to if you buy this box from Profile, it would make a very nice Christmas gift. We're getting into the colder months. You know, now that we're really kind of getting into the pandemic being in our rearview mirror, you're entertaining. This would make a really fun night if you don't do a lot of Italian wine. Yeah, learn it, bust it, out the Italian recipes. Like I said, they're they're easy. If you do like a like like a pomodoro sauce is like basil, onion, tomatoes. Cook it down. Put it on spaghetti. You're good to go. But if you do that, do not cheapen. Like, do, do, do not take it easy on the ingredients. Spend the extra money to buy really good tomatoes. Buy the fresh produce.
1: Yeah, this was... Do this, that. This was... Uh, like, uh, I think last time I uh, was at your place, you made a fresh tomato sauce, and it was, it was oh, really... Oh, man, that was really it good. It was really list- delicious. Man, what um, pasta did I put that on? we did that on spaghetti. Yeah. It was just a simple pasta. was a pomodoro. Yeah. Yeah. I think you just bought the tomatoes, so... Um, oh, wow. So, you know, so in order, I, I if I had to put them in order, and they're all thumbs up, I think I'd go with the Chianti Classico, then the Rosso, then the Reserva. I don't know where you are on this, but um uh, I'm I'm
0: going back to the Reserva just, just to see. Just to give it another another um, splash. But I'm going Chianti Classico, Rosso, and Reserva as well. But this is another thing too though where I'm usually hesitant when people say, oh, the wine needs to go with food to be better. But I think this box is like a dinner party in a box. Yeah. No, no. This is definitely. We're not being paid by profile to say that. It's just as someone who is admit didn't know the difference between Barolo and Brunello earlier in this podcast to have a little like education in a box is something I appreciate.
1: You know what? I think um, I still put the Reserva in the the third spot. We're starting to open.
0: Oh, it's a close tie with the Rosso at this point. That's in a matter of ten minutes. This has opened up. Yeah. So that being said, you're right. These are drink now wines. These yeah. Aren't?
1: Like I don't. I don't think they're 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 ones that you want to lie down for too long, two years, three years maximum. But uh, like that Rosso is starting to, it, it starting to feel a little long in the tooth. But it it is at a mature point.
0: I don't know if it's long in the tooth though, because the tannin's is still pretty clunky Correct, on it. But it has that vibrancy to match up with the tannin.
1: I don't. Th- I don't think you want
0: to wait too much longer.
1: Anyway, uh, I guess we should uh, we should wrap up our uh, our quick look at uh, Clement the Seventh. I'm um, sorry,
0: this podcast is late, listeners. This is going up on October 12th. Um, I guess like everything else, we were just a day late because of the Thanksgiving and a dollar holiday. short. Well, we don't make a lot of money at this, which no, reminds right. me. Oh. Patreon.com slash Two Guys Talking Wine. Keep us on the air. Um, All the money that you do donate does not go into our pockets. It literally goes to running the podcast. So paying our hosting costs, paying for new equipment. Um, I urge the listeners, if you're hesitant to give money to Patreon, go back and listen to the first few episodes and hear how much better things sound now. And um, I should have some other new equipment that I didn't have to pay for that will help make this podcast sound better. I always like free equipment.
1: And uh, that brings us back to the porn him. stars. So, so okay. let's oh, okay. stop that. Yeah, okay. okay. So. All right. Take so us I, away. I'm Michael Pingus of michaelpincuswinerview.com. You can find me on social media as The Great Guy or Michael Pincus. I'm Andre Pru
0: at Andre Wine Review on social media. Take us away, Michael. Oh, is that it? Oh, yeah. well, I
1: just want to take another little quick sip of the, uh, the Chianti. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine this is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.